Hello and welcome to the Skin Home Podcast, uh, your weekly dose of nonsense, uh, film-wise. Uh, on the podcast this week we have... Grace. And Ronan. And a special guest, uh, young Stephen Cleary. Hello, welcome. Uh, that will be specified as to why he's a special guest later on when we get to the news, which we will get to after our usual stuff of what we watched this week. And then follow that with the top 10 and new releases, which everybody's always very excited by. All your favourites. So, <laughs> without further ado, young Grace, what did you watch this week? Absolutely nothing. Oh, great. That's fantastic. <laughs> Could you feel some dead air though? That'd be I can. Um, well, I got into rewatches, both kind of uh, seasonal. I watched Idle Hands on Sunday. What is that? Don't know if you have heard of this. I so this has Devin Saha and Seth Green and Jessica Alba all before they were famous. Oh. In first Who's the first person? Devin Saha. That's not a real person. He was in Now and Then, which you he? have watched. I yeah, have, he but... was the wee blonde lad who hooks up with Christina Ritchie. Oh. Yeah. What a week. He did that in Casper Saha. too. There was a lot of a lot of overlap in the nineties. Anyway, never heard of him. Anyway, um, so this is about a guy whose hand gets possessed and starts I mean, murdering everyone around him. It's a fabulous construct, and it's a ridiculous film that's very very fun, and I do recommend it if you haven't seen it. Now it hasn't dated well or aged well as a lot of these things from the late nineties haven't, um, but it's very much of its time and very Buffy esque and just like. It's fun. It's enjoyable. It's Halloween esque. So I rewatched that, and then last night I rewatched The Faculty, which is also very seasonal. The, the Lighthouse showed this, didn't they, in the cinema? Yeah, uh, they did. They, they tend to do this with particularly around hor- uh, Halloween time. They show a lot of uh, those kind of horrors. Yeah, they're doing a pretty good season this year. They have um, that. They have the Mummy. They have uh, Hocus Pocus, and is it American Psycho? I think they're showing yes. as well. A bunch of kind of seasonal things. Um, yes, I love the faculty. I think I talked about it probably around this time last year, actually, as well, in a similar vein. So seasonal for places, um, well, Yes, it is. Um, also fun. Um, yes, what else did I watch this week? I was very low in film watches, sorry, but I did finish my rewatch of Friends, and I don't know if this is a very controversial thing to say, oh God. but I really like Friends. That's not controversial. You know how Friends these days, like, everybody just writes about how terrible and problematic and rubbish it is, and I'm like, I actually really like this show. I'm sorry. I like these ridiculous characters. I like the situations they find themselves in. There's something very nice about watching it from the start and seeing the way it progresses through a certain stage of life. All of the characters go from that sort of young, frivolous, maybe mid to late 20s mindset to something a little bit more old and mature. Chandler was like, which is he in rehab this season or not in this season? Yes. Does he have a beard? Does he smoke? Which is always striking. I do recall those kind of things. Very odd. (laughs) Yeah, but I think there's something kind of soothing or or, um, comforting about the way it just kind of progresses through those different stages of life in ways that are, you know, quite relatable in parts, even if not all of us live in very fancy apartments in New York City, which is quite sad. Not yet, Grace. Not yet. (laughs) Not not ever. Um, so that was fun, especially watching it from the start. The only thing that stands out to me on rewatch, because I would have probably come into it maybe halfway through when I was younger, is um, how quickly the characters sort of become characters after a certain point. Not that I think this is an issue that's exclusive to Friends. This happens a lot. Um, but the writing in the earlier seasons in particular, I think, is still pretty good and holds up pretty well. Um, and then after a certain point, I suppose they just kind of ran out of ideas. Well, I but think that's it. Still. I think once something makes a certain amount of money and continues yeah. to so it'll run probably past the point where it probably should stop 
Uh, it happens quite a lot on TV. You, you see yeah. it. Um, but I do less think... Although so now, Netflix seems to be cancelling. Yeah, well, things don't last as long the, uh, in this day and age, I suppose, yeah. which is that. Um, but I do think that Friends works quite well in terms of capturing um, just the, the, that, that kind of progression through different stages of life and different life experiences and the unit that you build around you to kind of get you through that and then how you kind of gradually start finding finding ways to go your own separate ways and your own kind of distinct personalities and different things that make you happy like I think it's actually it does that in quite a warm believable way which in the midst of all the latter day criticism which is not unwarranted um, I think perhaps gets a little bit lost so Plus it captures the 90s in a very uh, it's very time yes. specific like which is dated in a lot of ways just even in look People yeah, are so aspirational and hopeful and white. Clinton in the White House, great. I'm still watching Line of Duty, so someday I will have caught up with Line of Duty and then I can talk about Spoiler, that Spoiler, you all die, Grace. <laughs> you don't all die. I am joking. Yeah. Uh, I would not do that. So that's me. I had a very slight week. I'm sorry. Ronan. Up to Ronan. <laughs> what do you got? I did not have a much heavier week, I'm afraid. Uh, I went along to the IFI's mystery matinee. That uh, <laughs> As did I. Yes. Um, we went together your very first one. Yes, it was. And my lord, what a... What a uh, it was quite something. What so a film. The, uh, for anyone who's not familiar, the IFI mystery matinee is once a month where uh, a surprise film is shown and there are usually four-ish trailers shown beforehand that give you some hints. So myself and Jay were elbowing each other and trying to figure out what was coming we up. We could never in a million <laughs> In years yes, I've guessed this. You wouldn't have guessed this. It's it can be a preview of an upcoming attraction. It can be a film going as far back to the very you know the very first years of film history. It has been a very impressive kind of spread so far. Uh, and the trailers were uh, what did we have? Goodfellas. We had the witches. The witches. Oh, yeah. It was kind of nineteen ninety. Yeah, uh, was the we, only we copped three trailers in. So many, so many, many years. But yes, <laughs> I'm trying to give you some credit. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, it was Philip Ridley's The Reflecting Skin, which neither of us had ever seen. And it was quite something. I think you enjoyed it more than I did. Not I to say that I didn't. I kind of loved it. it <laughs> I barely heard of it, to be honest yeah. with you. Um, it's bonkers. It's set in this kind of alternative universe uh, in a kind of like an early Bernard Rose kind of way. Very strange, unsettling. Everything's just the same, but just mm-hmm. off at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It's very strange. Viggo Mortensen, who's the I guess the main star in it doesn't rock up till halfway through the film anyway which is fascinating because yes. he gets top billing yes he does because I suspect he was the name but I mean mm-hmm. he's not re- he's in it yes. for a good chunk of time yeah. but it's a strange strange story about a family and about a young kid's kind of growing up I guess or yeah. coming of age it's bonkers it's beautifully shot even in its very opening shot it has this kind of very classical indicator of a typical coming of age story you know there's the wheat fields everything looks yes. a little bit typical the way it's Malik shot kind of is, yeah, yeah, very happen. much days of heaven kind of aesthetic to it and then you get an exploding frog which a giant exploding frog <laughs> as one does uh, you leaned over to me pretty early in the film and said this is already at 11 where can it go from here the answer of course was about 37 it yeah, just kept it, going up and up and up which and is up. impossible almost like yeah. uh, I thought yeah. until I saw this I was very much impressed by it I don't think it entirely worked for me all the time because it's, it's a smash of a load of things it's in that same heightened territory as something like Twin Peaks which I doesn't always work for me because you know I'll, I'll shift in the process of watching it and fall out of sort of appreciation of it but then there'll be a new strange scene that will lock me back in but as a mystery choice, it was terrific because it's not something that I probably would have sat down and watched otherwise. I thought it was great. Um, I really, really loved it and I could have spent another hour on it because I was, one moment I was kind of horrified another moment I was yeah. kind of slightly moved and other times I was in stitches yeah. laughing. It was just yeah, I did such laugh a, a strange, strange beast. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it. I don't think like, even English cinema has produced anything as 
bonkers is it in what's it what 30 years yeah, yeah. 30 years 20 years 30 years i can't count anyway in the last 30, uh, 30 yeah it's good uh, to see something that utterly bonkers yeah um i i don't know i like i, I was lost for words coming out of it. I was like i didn't <laughs> really know what to expect and i was like yeah commit me to the mystery film from now on please mm. uh i'm in uh, otherwise I'm not one of these people who stuffs October with horrors very much um, because I generally watch horror throughout the year anyway but I settled in for one that I've heard a few things about over the last couple of years 1983 Austrian film called Angst which uh, I came across on movie is still on there for a while anyone interested in checking it out this is the story of a serial killer who gets released from a 10 year sentence and proceeds immediately to kill again in sort of excruciating detail, it uh, I was interested to read after watching it that it is um, it was a key inspiration for Gaspar Noe, and you get all those sort of um, subjective camera angles and the sort of floating spiritual perspective that is very common to his films. I think especially Enter the Void, you get that kind of floating camera yes. that follows somebody. You know, it's it's, it's literally the disembodied kind of ghost stuff, of a character yeah. who dies in the opening the opening scene. Um, and Angst absolutely does that, but with these weird constant swivels of the camera, and it was shot in some sort of bizarre rig that involved a mirror and a cinematographer who didn't actually know what he was shooting, and it works fantastically well in kind of deconstructing the distance between who we proclaim ourselves in our minds, because the whole thing is uh, narrated by the sort of internal monologue of the killer, and who we are in fact, because even though he's committing these gruesome murders, uh, what you actually see and get is that he's a clumsy and an idiot. He is. He, and I, I watched it as well on Ronan's recommendation. I was, I was kind of horrified by it and absolutely enthralled by it's it. It's deeply terrifying. Um, but exactly that. Like, serial killers, this kind of Hannibal kind of vibe that serial killers get. Like, they're some sort of efficient, extraordinarily skilled, verbose kind of characters where the truth mm-hmm. probably is that they're lucky or unlucky morons who happen to... Who are weak and violent and strange and just stumble around the place. Like, yeah. there's a point where he, he goes to get away and gets into a car and, like, almost immediately drives into the back of another car because he, he's just panicked because he doesn't know what he's doing. And it, and I suspect that's how most seriers are caught. I think I remember reading years ago that Pierce Sutcliffe was stopped for a drink driving charge or some, some something like that, something banal that he got yeah. thing. But yeah, and it's exactly that kind of thing, isn't it? But Dennis Nielsen was caught, the guy that used to kill people in Muswell Hill. Because he complained to the uh, local authority that his drains were blocked. His drains oh, were blocked God. with the decayed flesh of the people that he'd killed and flushed down the toilet. So Jesus. he reported himself, and the plumber came round out and the drain looked at the stink. Yeah, and, mate. and that was it. That was it's remarkable. Like, and that's exactly it. And maybe there's a wish to be caught as well, kind of underlying that kind of thing. I don't, I don't know. But there is a moronic kind of element to it, like which is fascinating. At least for some, I've properly seen it. Yeah, it's incredible in this film to see that kind of intense contrast between. Uh, like the true genuine horror of it this is probably the first horror film in about 15 years that actually gave me nightmares um to see that true genuine horror contrasted with you know this isn't actually some sort of supernatural being or some you know ubermensch it's yeah just because in his mind he's a superman like he's idiot. gonna take this people down yeah. and he's yeah, yeah. here and then you look at him and he's like fucking idiot like in actual terms like he's stumbling around Scooby-Doo style almost from one scene <laughs> to the next and it's really remarkable he stops somebody ties them up really badly then yeah, runs to the next yeah, room yeah. and tries to somebody up he's terrible at it like I mean like only because he's lucky does he or you know what I mean that, that it's pure luck that he actually gets yeah. away with it because he's and he even says in the kind of monologue that I've been caught for pretty much every crime because he's terrible yes, at it yeah, like, yeah. He's, he's terrible as I suspect most serial killers are and we have this kind of frightened notion that they're Superman are yeah. kind of you know uh, floating above the law. The camera does that very well in that kind of sense. That you know his thing is that he's ten foot tall, whereas the point of view from himself, he's he's just an idiot. 
He just hates people and women and all the rest of it. And like and it, it's really very smart. It's disgustingly mm-hmm. intimate and violent and yeah. really hard to watch. It really shook me. Uh, I watched it midday because you know That's what else would idea. I be doing uh, and it yeah probably helped I think 1am would have been a tough one yes I did it late into the night yeah. and just fell asleep tough. almost immediately and that was not great <laughs> no, don't yeah, recommend it's a fascinating film though um, and then wrapping up the week for me uh, regular listeners will know that Jay has been trying for a very 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 long time to get me to watch Gotti <laughs> which he claims is one of the best films by virtue of being one of the worst films. It's incredibly bad. And he is not wrong. It is. This is John, for anybody who doesn't know, it's John Travolta, I've been talking about this for years now. <laughs> no, you do not know. John Travolta starring in what he thinks is his godfather <laughs> role as John Gotti, uh, the New York gangster, mm-hmm. and everybody else who knows that this who film knows. is dog shit of the highest order. Yeah. And the, dip, the, the, kind of, the, the, the gap between what he thinks he's filming and what he's making and what everybody else knows they're making, it makes makes for a, a start hysterical and tragic kind There's of thing it's really something funny truly profound in the difference between his eyes and stacy keach's eyes <laughs> poor stacy keach who Stacey obviously Keech. got a bit of money and he looked like he'd rather be dead than be in this it's really remarkable you can see the light going out in his eyes somewhere it's like uh, god thanks at least the grandkids will go to college kind of uh look about his eyes you know <laughs> that's that doesn't it yeah yeah but it is you know it's fairly typical uh badly written mobster tripe that kind of elevates these people to somebody worth admiring in really sort of morally dubious ways but it's just kicked into another gear by Travolta genuinely believing this is his moment at long last here he is he's back um it's very very strange the that contrast you get out of it and it makes for very very entertaining viewing I'm glad you've been pressing it it, it's astonishing because the director who was one of the guys from Entourage Mm -hmm. um I can't remember his name and film people that will talk about film will never remember his name either because he at points just like he loses coverage like where yeah he, like yeah, he, yeah. he loses people in the scene and mm. you see there's real sharp cuts to kind of cover over the fact that they don't know what's going on it's quite an, it's, it's quite it's, inept just five-year-olds <laughs> covered like it i've never seen nothing like it in a professional kind of film like that there's clearly amateur error stuff going on in the actual technical side mm-hmm. of it regardless of script or whatever the rest yeah. of it. it's remarkable it's funny as all hell I was in tears watching it I've never seen anything as bad as good if you have Netflix it's on Netflix I would recommend watching it with a few beers don't watch it sober <laughs> you'll not last 10 minutes uh, but it's it's hysterical. the script funny. is preposterous oh, and he does addresses the camera which are they're amazing bad. oh it, it, it's amazing it's it, it's incredibly bad film of the decade it could be one star it could be five stars and I wouldn't argue against either of it like but if it was intentional, it would be a masterpiece. Yeah, it's one of the great comedy <laughs> films, unintentional of all time. That's but me for the week. Dreadful. Anyway, yes. Uh, I've got a couple, I'll throw in a couple. Um, I watched Inferno because uh, Dario Gento has a bit of a season going on on one of the movies. I have a, a VPN that accesses certain other mm-hmm. countries' uh, stuff. So Dario, <laughs> Dario Gento's films might have popped up on various ones. So I watched Inferno, which I'd never seen before. Uh, and it's great fun. Um this is one of these weird things and I was talking to Ron about this like he hits when Argento does best I think he hits the sweet spot between the most schlockiest of stuff and that almost Hitchcockian levels of technical control and it's remarkable to watch it when he hits right and it hits right quite a lot here it's really really Which good and really fun it. but uh, it's really bonkers and they tend to make and they get and menace all the way through it even though it's kind of like a bit silly at points, but that's okay because he, he kind of bakes that into his universe a little bit. Like he kind of knows that that's what's going to happen, maybe, or else he's just lucky. I'm I'm not sure. Uh, like the acting is like in a lot of our Chanto films, it's kind of 
are they even speaking in English half the time? Like yeah, there's a kind of a spaghetti western yeah. 60s boy where people the, are talking five different languages and stuff like kind of thing. and he gets his actors from wherever he can grab them I think. Um, but that's fine and but the like the camera work and the tone and that kind of lurid kind of sense and the use of red is just fabulous and like it's like an hour and 40 I think and he doesn't really waste a second. He like he knows he's making something for nothing. Essentially, it's not huge budget, uh, but it's great. Like and it's great in the sense that it's not patronizingly great. It's not like well done mm. for a cheap effort. It's actually really good fun and really well made. And occasionally hits that kind of good lord. That's brilliantly done. Do you know, and you're kind of wondering how he does it, particularly at the kind of budgets he was working at a lot of the time. I really, really loved it. Um, I'm I'm kind of I'm a little kind of I've only seen a handful of agenda films. And I've been warned off, particularly the later ones, because I think he, into this yeah. decade, there's some of the stuff I've heard is absolutely appalling. But I've got a treasure trove of stuff to kind of get to in the next few weeks, and I'm I'm going to be all over them. I'm I'm really really digging it. Like the first few decades, you you kind of can't go wrong. You know, at, at worst, there's always something fascinating in there. Yeah, exactly that. And I'm, I'm yeah, I'm all over. It. I'm all over it. Uh, briefly, that I want to mention, I watched for the first time ever, on Grace's insistence a little while ago, uh, Steel Magnolias. Um, and I absolutely adored it. Um, I knew of this in the sense that I knew it was a it, it kind of was being described as a kind of movie of the week, kind of a weepy, tree hanky weepy about somebody that dies, and that's that's all I knew about it beyond the cast like Dolly Parton, Sally Field, um, Olivia Shirley MacLaine, Olivia Cacus, Shirley MacLaine, Roberts. I would watch a spin off of the two of them just doing their own thing, uh, forever. Tom Scarry, yeah, who's great. Uh, this is glorious like is. the script is incredible it is so funny I was in tears watching it it's, it is a completely in, perfect movie and then it's really sad like it, like, and, but it doesn't like it's sentimental but I, my thing on sentimentality is if you earn it in the film mm-hmm. it's great like you have to earn it I think if cheap sentimentality for you know where you haven't put the work in doesn't work yeah. it, like it never works for me but if you've earned it I'll be in buckets like mm. yeah because and this really earns it and well this movie cast, is so perfect. warm yes. but I think the thing that makes this worse or what makes this work even yes sorry um, is that it doesn't shy away from showing the difficulties of, of all of that sentiment either like I mean where you have such an intensity of feeling you also have things that are very negative like Shelby Julia Roberts character and Sally Field's character because Sally Field plays her mother they're very like their relationship is often very tense and, and sometimes Sometimes even outright acrimonious, yeah. but it comes from a place of such profound love and affection for each other. And it's built that into it's, this, this. Yeah, like it, it just it makes sense because you get, I think, just the the range of responses. It's not just like stuff that's kind of mushy for the sake of being mushy. No. You can really feel like a real human connection and a bond there, and that's what makes everything that happens so powerful. I think. And it has this weirdly simple and subtle time shifts mm-hmm. of where you'll see a kind of a chunk of a scene that plays out relatively in real time for about half an hour or so and then it'll the camera will just cut away slowly and then come back and then it's like nine months later or a year yeah. later and it doesn't tell you there's no announcement on the screen but you get up to speed pretty quickly Not and it's not particularly expedition it's because the stuff that's happened before it's it's kind of layered that you know exactly what's happened like you've, mm-hmm. they've put the work in always kind of ahead of the game on it and yeah. it's it's absolutely glorious, glorious film. Well, I think it just, it reflects thematically very well because yes. you have this whole idea that like life and, and human experience is a thing that sort of is repetitious and that's what makes it 
lovely in a sense like every ending is a beginning and every beginning is an ending and so on and yeah. and so when you have kind of moments like that where it sort of cuts away to like nine months later where suddenly someone is having a baby or somebody's getting married it just it all makes sense because it sort of reflects the way that you experience that in real time as something that just sort of happens yeah, yeah like it just comes upon you and even you know things that you know are coming in the future that you anticipate all of a sudden are just kind of thrust upon yeah. you out it's of Christmas nowhere again? yeah you know there's mm-hmm. that kind of thing of it like uh which i really loved uh as I said, I I watched Olympia Dukakis, uh, Shirley MacLaine spin off with her two characters <laughs> sniping at each other constantly. They are a scream, oh, they're incredible, an absolute scream. I, they're they're such pros and so good and sink their teeth into the roles so yep. brilliantly that oh lord, are absolutely dream roles for oh, two dear. older women as well. Like and and such complete opposites because Clary is such a like a just a ray of sunshine. Yeah. She's so eager and enthusiastic yeah. and happy all the time and she has such a wicked sense of humor and then you have um weezer shirley mclean's character who's just a nightmare she's, but she's someone who's animal. i yeah. believe that i could be her if but I she's wonderful her. because like yeah. she loves everyone around her so much and she expresses that through complete disdain it's incredible <laughs> like it's incredible it's really funny. Like, it's really i love like the way they sum up her character at some point when i think is it tom scarrett who tom says Scarry. to her like you'd give your dog a kidney if he needed one <laughs> Like don't, no, no, no! It's some um, Clarice says that, yeah, but yeah, it's but great. it's lovely. Oh, I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite films. I love it very I, much. I can see it. I can see myself rewatching it happily. Over it's a very comforting watch, yeah, despite the I, sad I things it. that oh, happen yeah. in it. It's just, it's really, really soothing. You feel people get by because they're good people, and that's yeah. what kind of keep the underlying thing to it. Yeah, and they look out for each other yeah. so much. It's uh, lovely. Really loved it. And last but not least, I'll mention a rewatch as well that I I hadn't been, haven't got to in about a decade, um, uh, which is Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven. Uh, mm-hmm. which is as good as I remember if not better I think being old or older certainly makes you appreciate it a little bit more than 20 year old me would have appreciated when I saw it when it came out okay. um, it's I'll get back to it no he makes a lot of films he's quite prolific like, he seems to have one every year beautiful kind of almost forensic study of this, the kind of squalid nature of murder and people dying and that kind of reckoning that comes with it both in Eastwood's career and as the, as the yeah. character is playing and it's, it's really really interesting uh, Ronan's the Eastwood fan here in mm-hmm. the big terms and he's absolutely right what he said before about Eastwood's very good at kind of interrogating his own kind of beliefs through film and, and he's done it constantly throughout his career and this is another one of these it's reckoning back to the kind of the spaghetti westerns and the Hang'em High and Pale Rider and all the kind of films that countless bodies have dropped in and it's, that's that kind of generational thing with like Morgan Freeman character and the young kids character who the idea of being able to kill somebody or not being able to kill somebody or the kind of almost um, is there a glory in it or is there not a glory and quite clearly there's not a glory in it and never has been Mm. and that's kind of the point and it's just incredible absolutely incredible it's so beautifully shot it's brilliantly acted it's just oh it's an absolute classic exactly what you say there it's so good it's one of Clint Eastwood's best films for uh, what he's always been great as under cutting the notions of masculinity that he is well aware of sometimes his films and his persona have helped to prop up yeah. and it's it's notable that the whole film is kicked off by um you know a sort of revenge slashing of a cowboy uh slashes a prostitute's face because she laughs at his body and that's what sets this whole plot in motion uh it's so so good at undercutting all those ideas and eastwood kind of going back and examining him as he did since his very first you know directorial effort play misty for me is all about you know his sex appeal and looking at what it does and the the trope of the crazy woman um, undercutting that and he continues right up to his modern stuff but i think unforgiven is maybe the peak looking back in retrospect what a peak yeah there's a great scene where he's 
the kid is getting drunk because he's shot the man. Yes, and, and sitting that, up the tree. Line about, you know, yeah, by the tree, and it says, a hell of a yeah. thing to kill a man. You, yeah. you take everything he's got and all he'll ever have, yeah. is, is yeah. what he says to him. And you're kind of watching the kid drinking, and that's kind of, as it were, a version of William Money. Yeah. That's every man who killed a man killed a man once for the first time yeah. and, and was psychologically damaged by so it. So you can go then, on and do it again. And then drinks yeah. themselves into oblivion so they can repeat themselves. I mean, you, you literally, he's literally seeing drinking the murder down. Like, it's yeah. literally drink, like, swallowing it and burying it because uh, that's the only way you can go on. And, and that, like, that implicit tie from, at the time, 100 years ago when the film is set to the America of then and very much of now. Yeah. This is just a thread that continues through history. Well, the title at the end says, you know, he later went um, to goods uh, like a dry goods Prospered store. Prospered in dry goods. Kind yeah. of, this kind of well, this kind of way of behaving, this morality, mm. this action, kind of just was subsumed into American society. Yeah. Never went away. It went into like you know small goods sort holders in America. These men still with the exist. shotgun behind the bar. Yeah. These are the foundations. Uh, and then they join the police and kill innocent people. Yes, exactly that. And the, the, it's like an, and it's not it's not overbearing. You could easily make points with capital letters if he wants but it's it, he's smart enough to know his audience will get it because they know who he is and what he's done in yeah. terms of film and everything and it's for that it's it's an absolute masterpiece it really really is I yeah I was stunned by it again stunned anew which is probably accurate uh, Stephen have you watched anything that you'd like to mention a couple of things I mean excellent I have One's young children I've seen the last couple of films that you loved and anybody you else anybody else this together and it's usually an extremely disappointing experience because <laughs> Your children, you just, watch children just go, what the hell was <laughs> yeah. that? And, you know, uh, I remember watching with Nell and I with my daughter and uh, son. Oh, wow. And I had a great time and chuckling away. And yeah. they're like, what the hell is this? Um, <laughs> but I, I, I took my youngest daughter, she's 13, and we watched Local Hero together. Oh, wow. And it was a long time since I've seen Local Hero. And, you know, it's a film that I remember loving. And I've seen it a few times when it, you know, after it came out in a few years. But I hadn't seen it in like 10 years. And I was one of the things you're slightly worried that it maybe won't be as good as yeah. you remember and or whatever. And um, and also, I was slightly worried, again, that my daughter would look at it and go, you know, what is it about? It's an old man film. Yeah, and she just absolutely loved it. Um, and I loved it for different reasons. She loved the women in it. Mm -hmm. You know, she loved the female characters in a way that, you know, I, I didn't look at it that way. Or I haven't looked at it that way until I saw her watching it. And I just loved it for just, it just has this capacity at the end to, you know, to break your heart. And, yeah. and it's just this kind of, lovely affectionate portrait of people and it's kind of just difficult to watch a film or unusual to watch a film which just likes people so much you know the filmmaker just you know he kind of basically thinks that people on on the whole are good you know and we're all okay and it does he doesn't have an axe to grind it's just mm -hmm. this society and everybody in that film is a good person yeah um and it's just unusual to see and it's just really great to watch with a young person because you know they're constantly assailed by stories of villains and bad people and terrible things mm -hmm. happening and it's just a i was just watching her enjoying it thinking you know she's 13 she's kind of getting to the point where she begins to find you know she's 13 she's life is quite complicated and she tends to get stroppy like 13 year olds do and, and, and just, 43 year olds uh, 40, <laughs> and it just it just i really had a great time and it's got it's got some killer lines yeah yeah uh, absolutely, you know, um, are there no two G's in dollar? The guy's painting the boat and it's got the silver dollar, he mispaints it so it says dollar with one L. And the guy <laughs> says, Archie, are there no two D, two L's in dollar? And Archie goes, aye, and there are no two G's in bugger off. <laughs> <laughs> in pure Scottish uh, wit as well. Like. It's great. It's, you know, so I really enjoyed that. And, I, and it was great to watch a film that is as good as you remember it to be. And I it's really enjoyed it. It's getting a bit of a, not real praise, but I think it was always loved, but it's yeah. getting a bit of a. Um, rediscovering, I guess, maybe more so than anything. Like I think Criterion have put it out, or in the okay. states, or are mm -hmm. about to. And the American audiences who either saw it and forgot about it, or 
hadn't seen it are starting to discover it, which yeah. is great. So it's gonna it's looking like a second life is gonna run for it, which is brilliant to see. Like. So I like that, and I also watched um, again a funny story. I, I live in middle of France, in the middle of nowhere, and in a small town of eleven thousand people. And I've got a good friend across the street who's Spanish, and he knows I work in the film and television industry, and he has no interest whatsoever. He works in a factory, and it's great because you know we don't ever talk ever talk about so film you can or television. switch off. He's the, only once in the 12 years I've lived there has he ever mentioned anything about film and television. And then he walked across the street when he was across the road where we lived. And he said, Stephen, Stephen, you know about films, don't you? And I said, yeah. And he said, then you've got to watch this film. You've got to see this film. And it was uh, in French, Welcome to the Sticks, which is a kind of story about a guy who wants to go to the south of France. He's a postman. He wants to go and uh, live in the south of France. His wife keeps going, you know, we want to go to the south. It's lovely. The weather's are nice. The beaches. So he pretends to be disabled in order that he gets a posting. Did you know this film? No, uh, it, I don't. It, when it came out, it was the highest grossing French film in the history of French cinema. Jesus. It, it, it outgrossed Avatar in, in the domestic gross. And it's a small kind of low-budget comedy. Not that low-budget, but reasonably small comedy. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he, he makes a mistake and the guy comes to assess him that he's disabled and he stands up to shake his hand so he's in a wheelchair and when the guy says we're going to post it to South France he goes oh great and he stands up and <laughs> goes <laughs> in so classic he, great escape sort so of he gets thing. sent to the north to, 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 the, to the Pas de Calais the very far north of France where the people there have this very strong accent and the film is entirely full of a joke because they kind of talk like this and that's the, the, the comedy is full of that so it's a really kind of crude you know when sometimes you watch comedies from other cultures and you kind of mm -hmm. think this, this humor is kind of crass and stupid and I don't really get it but you kind of but you know these films are very well in the country that this is one of those kinds of films basically he goes there he thinks they're all horrible they turn out to be lovely people and uh, all his prejudice about the north are wrong and he goes there during the week and at weekends he comes back to his wife and at weekends his wife treats him like a hero because in this awful place you've gone to with these awful people so she makes mm. him lovely meals she puts on lovely negligees so he goes home <laughs> and he has lovely meals and lovely sex then during the week he goes and has a great time with the shti the, the name of these people until his wife decides to visit him and then he has to confess to the shti that actually look I'm sorry but I've been telling my wife that you're horrible people <laughs> and they're all like slightly offended as you would be and so he early next time but then his wife turns up and he's thinks so I'm going to just have to tell her and then suddenly as they're at the station his mates turn up and they're all pretending to be absolutely revolting people <laughs> and they take him not to the village where he lives but to an old disused village which they've converted as it were into and so his wife is oh my god I can't believe you've lived in this squalor and, you know you're such even <laughs> better a proper French yeah, so it's a on. completely stupid film um, but it, it simply plays on regional difference mm. and it, it, about you know prejudices within France about people who live in different areas of France and the, the French find this accent this English talking about this and this lots of jokes right? and it's like kind of that kind of hot comedy in France it went down an absolute storm and when you watch it it's actually a beautifully structured story it's really nicely written and it's it just it works like clockwork and at the end you know his wife finds out that he's lied to him she leaves him then he has to get her back and he has to get her back by confessing and he has to get his friends to help him and so he has to confess to them how much he likes them and you know it's all about someone being emotionally honest this guy's been spending his life being dishonest emotionally to himself as much as anyone else and the, the process of going to the north and living with these people makes him realize that he has to be truthful to himself to his wife his marriage gets better and at the end it's a big warm-hearted thing and as I say, Edouard, my neighbour, walked across the street, and it's the only time he ever has said to me, you know, and he just loved the film so much, he just needed me to see it because he, uh, he wanted me to see it so badly. And so I was watching again, thinking about some work I'm going to do in a few months' time, and I thought I'll just watch it again just to catch up. And um, 
it's just again it's i suppose after a local hero it's another endlessly amiable story and you can oh. get cynical about amiable things if it's soft and a bit and it is soft and it's kind of sentimental but actually again like you said it's earned sentiment yeah and i find yeah. that younger it's me was a bit uh, grumpier about it but older uh, me is kind of much more appreciative of uh, the skill that goes into uh, that kind of getting people on board so I enjoyed that. And then the other thing I watched was Stranger Things. I had to make a deal with my kids. They, you know, they said, OK, <laughs> yeah. we're going to watch your stuff, you're going to watch ours. And I watched Stranger Things, and I watched the first series. Um, and I was unimpressed. I have to say, I, I, I quite liked it. I was, But I felt no urgent desire to watch the second series. So I went onto Wikipedia and, and read the summary of what happens in series two. I mean, I enjoyed it, but I, I, you know, maybe you have to watch these things more currently when they come out and get the kind of buzz about them. But I, I enjoyed it, but that's it, I would say. I, I wasn't compelled. Mm -hmm. My kids love it. You know, they really think it's fantastic. So in a funny way, because all the references that you get, you know, that we know because of, if you're slightly older than you all the, you know, there's the, you know, the, the Spielberg and the 80s stuff, stuff and all that. It's, it's all there and you're going to go and you're sort of counting the references. And they're, they're quite enjoyable. But again, partly after a while, you kind of go, okay, I get it. It's lots of reference to, references to that. And I didn't find the actual plotting of the thing as compelling as maybe others did. But, you know, that's okay. That's yeah, a, I quite liked it. It's... The second and third season, I would argue, was probably better than the first season. Uh, but if you didn't particularly enjoy the first season, I'm not sure how much you'll get out of it in that regard. But I, yeah. I find it very enjoyable in that regard. I like the third season a lot. Yeah. A lot. But, uh, okay. you know, it's, uh, people love it. And I watched a little bit of American Horror, because, again, the American Horror, whatever it's called, American which I thought Horror was really interesting technically and really uninteresting creatively. I was really interested in how they were doing it. In a sense, it's all about disorienting the viewer. You never know quite where you yeah. are. And just when you feel yeah. settled, they unsettle you. And the rule is you never let anyone get settled. And I was intrigued by how they were doing that. But again, once you kind of get it, the thing is, sometimes I watch things analytically yeah. to do with work. And that's harder. You don't just get lost yeah. in them. And I was being quite analytic and I was enjoying as it was analysis, but I didn't get pulled into it too much. So the horror stuff, because of other things, I, you know, I kind of been watching it more analytically. But the local hero and the shti were just just for fun they're the ones yeah well that's always good to have fun is fun um okay excellent well jb nice okay that's great let's move on to the movie news and this i suppose is the natural point to get into why uh stephen is here um um do you want to talk a bit about it, Stephen, your background and what you're doing here in this farewell yeah i mean i've been working in uh, film and television mainly film for 20 odd years and uh what I'm over here to do is to take a couple of um, workshops, one on um, power and gender, which is really looking at uh, different ways. You of all die, Grace. You don't all die. I am joking. It's kind of an interesting uh, area at the moment. A lot of controversy or interest in gender questions and gender representation, etc. But I'm not kind of involved too much in those more controversial questions. I'm trying to work out simple answers. Like if you have more... Um, mix if you mix for example the number of female writers compared to the number of male writers in the film and television industry you, know, you have different kinds of characters that come out of the fact that you have a lot more women writing um, and if you do what are the differences if there are differences is it true that for example you know 50% women writing will present a different kind or will tend to write a different kind of character or a different kind of story and it's an interesting I personally find it very interesting and there's a lot of research that's gone into whether men and women tell different kinds of stories. There's a lot of research in sociology and linguistics, to be honest, rather than film and television. And there's an awful lot of really strong evidence that actually men and women are quite different. You can't make simple generalizations. Many men uh, don't do the things that men do and many women don't do the things that women do. So it's a broad spectrum. But you can make certain general comments. And when you look at 
that and you look at that area that's kind of what the workshop's about um when women tell stories to each other in pubs and over dinner when there are no men in the room they tend to tell stories in a very different way from when men do that and they know that because they recorded hundreds and hundreds of conversations um, and analyze them this is in sociology not in whatever. Okay. so you get a sense of that they're, they're not the same okay they're not radically different but they're mm. not quite the same and then you ask the question, okay, is that difference expressed in the kinds of stories that are being written and being produced? And when you say if only 10% of the writers are women, then actually probably what has to happen is the, right, the women have to learn to talk like the men do because that's the way you get on when mm -hmm. you're in a very small minority. But if you genuinely have equality, which is kind of what's being worked towards, it doesn't exist at the moment, but it's being worked towards, will the kinds of stories change and will the kinds of stories we make change and how will they change and what do writers need to be thinking about? That's what the workshop's about. It's quite speculative in some ways. Progressive. Yeah, just kind of trying to find out. It's looking forward and saying, what are the things we need to be thinking about and asking questions about, as opposed to coming in and saying, this is what you need to do. Mm -hmm. And the second workshop is different. It's about horror writing just writes how to think about things and what I'm interested in, in that is a couple of things firstly how do you scare people technically in kind of detail how do you scare an audience what do you have to do and how does fear work Most film wise yeah. we have this uh, kind of frightening on the podcast this week we have Superman are kind of you know uh, detail, but there are uh, only four ways to scare an audience um, four specific ways and, 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 and what they are and how that works is uh, I always find very interesting and, qu and quite fun to go through because there's lots of examples you can show people and People kind of argue about it, and you know, my, the stuff that I do is always about really starting a conversation rather than giving conclusions yeah. and kicking people off. Oh, great! That's fantastic. Could you fill some dead air? That'd be fabulous. We could do that. And so I'm over here to do these two workshops, and uh, it's been a while since I've been in Dublin. It's been a while since I've been in Ireland. So it's also kind of part of a chance to catch up with some people and you know, see what's going on here, which is a lot of fun too. Yeah. And the the live horror screenwriting is on this Saturday and Sunday, 26th and 27th of October. Yeah, this Saturday uh, Sunday for in, the horror, yeah. In Dublin Business School. Yeah. I actually studied in that actual room, film, not so room. many, many, many years ago. But uh, oh, yeah. yeah, it was fun. Um, but no, not no more. But that sounds great. Um, and are you staying on in Ireland beyond that? or is that No, I've got to go. I've got to I'm popping up to Copenhagen to do the same thing there. So it's, I'm uh, actually it's in Copenhagen good. next weekend. Oh, well, there you go. You if go. you're in Copenhagen and you've got nothing to do on a Sunday morning, go to the medical museum. Just the 90s. And do the guided tour of the medical museum. It's very time specific. Like, which is, they, you know what? Like, there's a group of lads I'm going with, and they're not lads like, you know, 20 year olds. Like, <laughs> okay. We're not doing drugs, like, just to, for clear. But they are a bit arty. So we might get to hung museum. over to bits. We will drag them to the medical museum. At, they, the, at the end of the tour. They say, do you want to do this? You don't have to do this, but if you want to, we've got the kind of freak display museum upstairs. Oh, amazing. Adult I'm only. In. I'm in. <laughs> Fuck, I'm going to that. Uh, that sounds great. That's such an unintended benefit of this podcast. Uh, when somebody tells you something like that, it's, it's fantastic. I thought, I'm probably going to do that. Uh, I will pass that information on. If I get there, I will let you know. Excellent. Uh, those workshops taking place this weekend. Enjoy who are going. Some other f movie news. Uh, fans of On Klondike, has anybody watched it? I haven't seen it. Uh, no. The Irish, um, I guess, TV show, but it was kind of um, was made into a recut for right? um, for entry into Oscar mm -hmm. foreign film thing because we don't get many uh, Oscar and very rarely out do of the we, language, particularly the Irish language. Very rarely do we submit them in in yeah. Irish itself. Yeah. Yes. Uh, this uh, the director of On Klondike, uh, Dahi Keane, has new feature film Finky, I think shot at Galway. Uh, I didn't see it. Missed it if so. Uh, and that's been selected for the first feature competition in the forthcoming Talon Black Lights Film Festival in Estonia. Very good. Any chance to blag your way over to Estonia? I guess I'd, I'd be all over that. Uh, I haven't seen it. I'm heard 
interesting things. Mm-hmm. I remember the word in Galway, although I'm pretty drunk in Galway. It was a really good, fun <laughs> week. Galway is in Galway is amazing. Oh, if you have a chance incredible. to go, I would recommend it wholeheartedly. It's glorious. The films you see, the people you meet, it's just spectacular. Oh, the stories we could tell, Roman. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that, so that's uh, that's going to be in Estonia. Let's let's not mention nice. Galway. Uh, and the other thing I read, the Screen, or, screen Skills Ireland have announced further details of the Screen Industry uh, Educational Forum, which we mentioned a few weeks back. And they have a draft schedule for it. And that takes place on the 5th of November, I think. Just, yeah, at the Alex Hotel. And if you want to register to go, register with 1st November. Like, I'll be looking at the on website. It will tell you all the details, including the draft schedule. I am not reading out the draft schedule. Life is too short. <laughs> you just have to go on the website and find it. Yeah, so get on there, people. Oh, okay. That's. Uh, I think that's the news. Is there anything else? No, there's not. That's it. Are we ready for the top 10? Does anybody want a top 10? Have oh, anybody yeah. seen any new films? Are we We're all ready? so excited. We love the top 10. We do. <laughs> At number 10, Hustlers, which has now made <gasps> 1.1 million in Ireland, which is for a film that I didn't wasn't sure if the audiences were there to that kind mm-hmm. of money, but it's, it's lasted six weeks and it's also it's really good. I'm yeah. really enjoying it. Some people like in my work lot. have gone to see this unprompted, which I think is a good sign. Yeah. As in, I didn't make them you didn't go push to see them it. Towards yeah. it. <laughs> I, I really liked it. Uh, Jennifer Lopez will likely get an Oscar nomination and rightly so. Uh, she will. Just give it to her now, not to some generic L one playing a generic L one. Meryl Streep will get her nomination. <laughs> Fuck it's, that. It's great, she great. Get it for Little Women though. Yeah, but she gets still generic Meryl, Meryl Streep. She gets a nomination for everything. God bless her. She's great, but she does get a nomination for literally everything she appears in. It's amazing. I wish I had that career or any career. <laughs> anyway, at nine, Official Secrets, which is a it's a is it's this a secure nightly one? document. Are the 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 reasons to go to. Iraq back in the day I think there was oh, right. a, uh, a story about the kind of fabrication of documents and stuff yeah, like that yeah that sounds right. I think the ads for it during the week Gavin Hood directed yes he did he did indeed um, I knew Gavin Hood when he was a impoverished South African living in London making short films and he's gone on to he's had a career and this, career, this yeah. is uh, this again, I think this might be one of those Sky One uh, partnership <laughs> films no, they, they actually Sky One Sky One invested a lot in really film and a lot of TV money, like uh, they put a huge amount in. They I, just want to work in their production values. Yeah, some of the stuff looks like a Sky production. It looks terrible. Yeah, and that, that, <laughs> but it, I mean, film is expensive. Like to make films, like you'd have to commit wholeheartedly, or it can look like yeah. something that you want to watch on TV. Which yeah, is, and yeah. they do day and date releases with yes. these, so the primary audience is always on television. But this is made top ten here. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how it's done in the UK as of yet. Uh, whether it's done okay, I think the reviews have been solid enough. Um, for it in that kind of thriller sense and mm. they're always a good I, I always see them as kind of Sunday afternoon films uh, you know when there's rain you know, stick it on mm-hmm. uh, so I'll probably watch it then uh, at number 8 Judy uh, which is the return of the biopic in every sense they're pulling them all out of the woodwork now thank you Bohemian Rhapsody uh, don't so, ever thank that don't ever thank no, Bohemian Rhapsody yeah. the money is back in yeah. the biopic yeah, so yeah, yeah. we're going to get them from everyone and everywhere Patiently waiting for the Madonna uh, one. I've no doubt Renee Zellweger is excellent in this because she's excellent. And the word is she will get an Oscar nomination as well. That's JLo's competition. You yeah. get an Oscar. You, you get, get an, an Oscar. Yeah. I'm not going to get an Oscar. But. Not yet, Jay. Not, not with that yet. attitude. <laughs> I know, right? Be more positive. But it's made 300 something thousand. People like it kind of thing. I think this is a, what they call it. Is it a grey dollar? Yes. Kind of, uh, I was going to say, I can picture a bunch of comfortable old people going to see this. And, uh, which is, you know, there's a lot of money in that. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think if I had um, 
What's the the Vincent Van Gogh animated documentary? The the uh, Loving Vincent, Loving Vincent yeah. which made yeah. that ran for ten weeks and absolutely made a fortune yeah. on kind of older kind of people coming to see it yeah. day after day, like genuinely. On old people, great, great business here. <laughs> was it, it like the highest top grossing? I think it was. I think it was. It's amazing what can kind of catch fire in that regard. Yeah. There's plenty of money in it. Um, you see, the UK do a lot with like uh, the best exotic medical hotel, that kind yeah. of air yeah. thing, and it, yeah. like, it's a proper money. Like if you get it right, if you get the pictures right, and you get Helen Mirren in it, mm-hmm. you're fine. Like, which you know, who wouldn't? <laughs> Helen Crate or Maggie Smith or Maggie Smith, yeah, or Judy Dench. One of them. The, the Holy Trinity. Uh, yeah. And then if you have to come down and not, you go for like your know, yeah. Delta Stauntons of this world. <gasps> oh, I'm sorry. Great. She's cheaper than them, though. I'm sure. I used to work with somebody that was related to Imelda Stone, and I. I almost used to hug her just because. Just I think her parents might be from Mayo. Uh, sad. But Maybe. Yeah, I think the, the family over in Ireland anyway, certainly. Um, there you are. She, they were at a wedding and Mel Stone was there. It's like, what did you do? It's like, just a relative. What do you mean? Just a relative Mel <laughs> Anyway, that's, I, did, I did get carried away in the pub then. Of course but you anyway, did. At seven, Gemini Man, where Somebody Will went to Smith see fights his CGI younger self for no real for reason reasons. that I can fathom. That. This is not going to make money. This made a quarter of a million, and I don't know how much it cost in the millions. Got the aging, the aging cost an absolute fortune. It's just a bit mad that anybody thought there was a market for I, it. Like it's Will just, Smith, it's is a very on, unusual it, looking property. Even yeah? like Will Smith's probably on the downslope of a trajectory of the lead yeah. man. Like he hasn't made a film that's because he used to just open films left, mm-hmm. right, center, yep, 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 and yep. He, I, it's arguable. That I think he made a few films in the last few years, like uh, uh, the one where he's seven pounds or something there was a few that he made in a row that just tanked mm-hmm. and didn't really yeah. and this seemed like a big bet uh with digital tech trickery and whatnot but it's, uh, it's interesting that you've got kind of the two big star things you know he's one of the last remaining stars and it yes. seems his power is on the wane but uh, the technology itself becomes the star that yes. you've got the higher frame rate you've it's got like, the and to remind you of young will smith when he was in his pump but he's yeah. but with and yet it doesn't look CGI. like him at yeah. all yeah exactly and that's that's <laughs> a joint and a kind of handover from one regime to another and it's yeah, stuck in the middle weird. and audience wise as well mm-hmm. I don't think it's really yeah. caught yeah. in the way that it should which is you know sad I like Andy as a director but his perseverance towards this tech is probably a little foolhardy it's a bit tilting at Whittlemans I think a little because his last one we did with Billy Lynn's Halftime Walk did not do any business oh, yeah. either yes. uh, and if it's done with similar frame rate kind of issues and I think it's mad I don't think that might be the end of that there's not an appetite for that I don't think there is uh, certainly not yet um, at 6 Downton Abbey which has made an absolute fortune here no surprise there 2.7 million in Ireland has made uh, 2.7 and I imagine yes. it's made a huge amount in the UK as well and the States I think uh, they, they love, oh, the uh, they love royalty the States mm. uh in the kind of box office and so this is a license to print money I suspect they might bring it back together for a downtown Abbey too if they have any Ugh. sense they'll, they'll manufacture some story because it's dollars like I mean you don't have to like it but there's a serious stop acting all neutral like this doesn't burn no, you I'm to bits inside it. I am never downtown Abbey <laughs> film is not for me at all but it I can understand be. why I'm just going to go back through the group chat and find everything negative 2.7 million like, I mean I'd make downtown Abbey if I could produce it it's just a license to print money you know, that's all. Hmm. I'm not seeing it, Grace. It's not my type of thing. Speaking of something that's not my type of thing, and a sequel that nobody asked for, Zombieland double tap between the sequel to a film, the most shockiest yeah. stuff, I, and that where they like cocky in levels. Who's the kid in it? They used to be the kid. Abigail Breslin. He was like eight or something. It was on, and now I don't 20, think she was that young, but which yes. you know what I mean. Like it's like. What audience remembers Zombieland? Did, did Zombieland make a particular fortune? No, I think it just had a bit of a. It made some money, but it had a bit of a cult was, liking. Yeah, like thing. it was an entertaining movie. Like yeah. it is, it's a it's decent okay. watch, but not the type of movie that you would ever in a million years think. Let's make another one because why would Except you be fucked in this culture? 
90 something thousand would suggest that you're right although i think it's still okay in the states uh the, the bit of a hold where they were thinking that it was kind of bomb and it didn't mm. so it may just get out of the jail they really that. they really need the escapism in Zombie the states. three coming in 20 years great can't wait <laughs> hopefully hopefully i'll be dead then uh at four sean the dead movie farmageddon i love a pun Farmageddon is great. Shaun the uh, Dead movie. Shaun the Sheep. Shaun the Sheep, Shaun the Dead movie. Heaven Good the Lord, Jay. Shaun the Dead is a different Shaun one. You're losing it. <sighs> anyway, Shaun the Sheep movie, Farmageddon. Sorry, come on, Farmageddon. Give it up for that. Like. Uh, I haven't seen Jay this. Jay will fan hard I for the Shaun the Sheep movie. I love Shaun the Sheep. It's great. The first film is fantastic. I, I, I loved it. Every Why haven't it. you been to see this? Because I've been busy, Ronan, prepping this podcast and doing other things. What have you been doing? Well, exactly. But anyway, I, it's supposed to be great. I'm, I'm, I'm there. Speaking of kids' films, a three abominable, which is another kids' films make a fortune. <laughs> or anyway, just they, they, they make millions. Every pretty much every kids' animation going to be guaranteed ten weeks in the yeah, top ten. The top ten is always a wreck. And is it half term now? Is that what's going on? It doesn't matter. Uh, that does it pop it up week. and it drags week, it up. Yeah, that'll keep films in the thing. But even outside of that, the the there's usually two or three pops up to top ten every week. It's remarkable. I suspect a lot of the kids are not going to school and are going to the cinema instead. <laughs> if they've any if they've any sense, that's where the real education lies. At two, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, which has got hmm. absolutely toxic reviews, uh, and this costs a fortune uh, in the way these things. Uh, the first one I think was really also good, a sequel coming like ridiculous really length of time after mm. the original yeah. one. The I mean, other one was what like six years ago. This will make money probably because it's Disney and they make money with everything, but. It's apparently appalling. Graham, who wrote for the Skull website, a review of it. I think he called it the worst one we've seen this year. He said it's absolutely dreadful. And I think he quite liked the first one. So it was like, Yikes. yeesh. Graham. Yeah, no. No, 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 no. And at number one, the film that we'll be talking about for the next 10 years. Fucking shoot. Joker. Uh, this has made 4.5 million. And that is astonishing. You people deserve the shit the trending, that gets thrown at you. That's no, I, was, I was chatting all today, but the, you're talking about trending kind of box office that this will yeah, be top five of all time in Ireland by the time it finishes. He doesn't really waste a second. The, Again, like, we know, which is just it's going to be three rubbish. films from this year in the top ten of all time, which is Avengers Endgame and I think Toy Story 4. It sounds uh, like it. So there's remarkable money to be made. Booting uh, out my beloved Mamma Mia too. Yes, indeed. Not a lot. I haven't seen Joker. I have no real intention to see. I'll just watch Scorsese movies instead. There's plenty of decent um, rips of it online. Uh, or no, so I'm stop told. Stop it, Grace. Stop that. We do not condone that kind of behaviour. Neither do I. My sister watched it that way. Ah, okay. Well, she probably got robbed and she saw it at least. She thought it was rubbish. Yeah, so there's your top ten. And Thank finally, you. we'll we'll spin off the new releases and we'll end it there. Let's go. Terminator Dark Fate. Oh yeah. You'll be all that's over the thing this one. that's happening. <sighs> right. <laughs> I am on record and I can everyone, here we go. I do not like Terminator 2 Judgment Day at all. I think it's a You're terrible incorrect film. in that though. But I can understand that's technically brilliant. But it's not a very good film. So by that rationale, there's only one good Terminator film ever being made, which is the first Terminator no. film, which is great. Even if you want to be generous, no. there's only two. There's one. But there's even two. if you want to be generous, there's two. <laughs> But this is the fourth attempt to do a third one, I guess. Just don't bother. Well, and yeah. it's like, just, just stop. He should probably stop. Arnie looks like he wants to die in that Stacey Keaton <laughs> body kind of thing. He'd like, stop propping him up. The man is in the 60s and he had a heart attack. Uh, you know. Surely he's older. Oh, he's probably in the 70s now. Yeah, he, he must be. Jesus. I'll look it up. Uh, but this is another spin. And it, James Cameron is involved again. Uh, and I think they've yeah. basically reckoned it to basically be the third film basically everything that's happened in the previous sequel was, didn't happen that's cheating you can't well, keep doing that loads of films do it. They do it all the time Halloween did it they do all this kind of thing all the time he's um, 72 is he? yeah 
Jeez. Spring chicken. 30th 72? of July, 1947. Did you say? Yeah, yes. 72. Wow. Good Lord. Ray of sunshine. Yes. Good so Jesus. Um, yeah. I'm seeing this. They have Linda Hamilton back, who was great, mm-hmm. always. Uh, so that's that's a bonus. But uh, once bitten, yeah. I've seen the last couple of Terminator films. I'm, I'm not doing it again. Mm. No. Anybody else? Anybody interested? No? No. no. I gave no, Terminator no. Salvation a shot a few years ago, and that was bleh. So yeah, I, exactly. After that, I'm, I just I'm was done. like, no, can't be arsed. Um, right. And then the Adams Family animated film, which we'll probably see in the top ten in the next few weeks. Yes. Uh, with a, a dynamite all-star voice cast. Oscar Isaac, Charlie Strong, Chloe Grace Moretz, Finn Wolfhard, who we still don't think exists, and Bette Midler. And Why Taylor. didn't oh. they just make a uh, live action? I don't know. Um, Adams Family with that animated, cast. Animated makes money, Grace. Uh, mm. And it's probably Back cheaper. Sake. It's probably cheaper to make, make an animated film than it is uh, the live action. Okay. Uh, so this will probably make an absolute fortune. It's great voice cast, in fairness. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we'll be talking about it again. So there's no point in getting into it now because se- 17 weeks from now, when it's still in the top 10, <laughs> we'll, we'll be back around again. Um, also out this week is the Francois Ozon's new film, By the Grace ah. of God in the IFI, which is a film about uh, three men who are friends in childhood who I suspect, haven't read a little bit about it, it's the Catholic Church and abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always here for a new Ozan. I'm he's very up and down all over yeah. the place usually, but uh, when he's great, he's great. I'm yeah, I'm not as big on him as you are. I do. I've liked a couple of his films. Tell me, you love in the house. I liked it. I wasn't just I loved it. Oh no! I can appreciate it and I can mm-hmm. understand why people love it, but it mm-hmm. wasn't quite for me. I didn't particularly. Swimming pool was okay, and I saw another one as well, which I can't remember the name of. Five by two is incredible. Well, okay, I believe you. I'll get back to it. No, he makes a lot of films. He's quite prolific. He like he seems to have one out every year. Um, yeah. And this is a new one. Uh, the IFI have it, I think. So uh, get to it. Mm-hmm. You'll be getting to it. I, I will. Yeah, no, it is. I, I can see that. Oh yeah. Um, you feel people get no, because they're good people, um, and that's yeah. what kind of key. Was it the the double was the one he had last year. Okay. Um, that was terrific. I really liked that. So hmm. I'm here for this. Okay. We'll report back. It's also in the IFI and in the delight house is Manos, which is getting tremendous. Oh yes, reviews. I like to look at this. Uh, about a. Kind a of, rare, uh, decent trailer. Yeah, there's, mm. there, most trailers are trash. But this is, this is about a kind of a makeshift encampment mm-hmm. in the hills and the unspecified kind of war scenario that plays out. It just looks gorgeous. It does. I, I, the word it's is like it's kind really of Apocalypse pretty. Now meets kind Lord of, of the Flies about, type uh, thing. Yeah. Lord of the Flies kind of uh, animal. It looks really interesting. I think it won like Best Picture, like Transylvania Film Festival last Indeed. year. And probably various other words uh, it's kind mm-hmm. of the release kind of came out all of a sudden I hadn't really heard about it until a couple of weeks ago uh, yeah, a, bit of kind of yeah. a bit of festival chatter going yeah. on through the last couple of months um, but yeah that could serve it well the, I, I do want to see so. this I'm very yeah. much there for this so yeah. I'll be seeing it this week yeah. I would expect um, and have we any more we do have a couple more The Last Black Man in South Francisco mm-hmm. which, which is also getting a exceptionally I really good like to look at this um, this is a story of a uh, a young man hanging around in the uh, city, and I see some it's built into the story about yeah. the feel of the film. Trying uh, to the get his ancestors home back. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this is the, the trailer. Actually, is is quite good. It's yeah. a bit long, but it makes the film look lovely. Mm. I think the I think both uh, the very elegiac. So I'll be also get to see this. This is my double bill, I guess. And really remarkably, in Ireland we get this, and I presume it's the same in the UK that you get a lot of. Uh, kind of Indian films and stuff that play in multiplexes to mm. local audiences and we get it quite a lot there's one called Houseful 4 as in the fourth film in the Houseful series 
which I didn't know existed, but uh, it's opening in City World this week, and they tend to make and they do get a top ten occasion as well. Yeah. They, like yeah. there is a kind of and Polish films tend to do it right. as well, and it, it it's quite interesting and really good to see that kind of a multiplex is putting stuff on that kind of reflects the people that go to them, not yeah. just the, the, the twenty screens of yep. wherever. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's that's a new one I don't know much about. Apparently, it's about reincarnation. Interesting. And probably loads of songs. Four uh, of them is appropriate, so. Yes, uh, so yeah, I'm Ronan, I'm sure you'll report back about that uh, next week when you see it. Of course. And uh, one of the other ludicrous thrillers out this week called Countdown, which is about a young nurse. This is this is very much your kid's film, right? You ready right. for this one, right? <laughs> Listen to this, right? This is every young person, I mean, young person, even younger than you, Grace. This is what I mean. Actual, Ronan's younger actual than Actual young people. Ouch. These are not young people. Countdown, where the young nurse downloads an app that claims to predict exactly where the person is going to die. For fuck's oh. sake. It, it tells her she has only three days to live. With time ticking away and a mysterious figure haunting her, she must find a way to save her life before time runs out. Delete the app? Jean, 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 you can't delete the app. Do you, do you not think the screenwriter thought that? <laughs> I hope it's he a system has. app. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah, that's like your uh, Apple uh, thing that you can't get rid of. Uh, this sounds like something like, 15 year olds I'm are born to watch very it. disappointed this isn't a Richard Lightly horror Countdown host oh very good <laughs> that died I was thinking Ben Wheatley yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry I ruined your joke I apologize also he's dead as well we'll fix that in post so sorry to death to the well fish. yes but yeah I love Richard Lightly that was the only time I watched Countdown was he was on it I kind of gave up <laughs> when he, he died bless him what a man I only got the conundrum once actually by the way really? uh, I got the conundrum once I did oh, uh, yeah, uh, when I was sitting, in, I was sitting in a bar after getting my leaving cert results at half four watching Countdown or half three whatever it was I'm waiting for friends to come in and I sit in the bar and I came up and I got it in seconds that's the one that I'm talking yes. about that's, that's only happened to me once too right? and it was one where I saw it and just knew uh, it straight away I don't remember the word I <laughs> should make one up for the story but yes. I don't uh, I don't remember it at all tragically um, yeah geez, there's a memory uh, R.I.P. Richard Whiteley uh, <laughs> is there anything else last but not least there is a small Irish film I think there's from the curious works of Roger Doyle. It is any relation? Did no, uh, no, not a relation. This is about He's a the musician, composer, uh, yes. and uh, member of Astana. And this is about a, a staging of one of his uh, kind of uh, electronic opera, mm -hmm. which sounds terrible. But then maybe it's great. Like the words "electronic opera" scare me with some sort of dread I can't really. And there's lots of uh, old Irish. Uh, Filmmakers of the the first wave of Irish films in the eighties, Joe Comfort, Bob Quinn, and Kyle Black, who turn up to mm -hmm. kind of speak about him and his music. I think that's in Cineworld World uh, for this week as well. He's I don't an, think it's anywhere else. He's an interesting character because he's a real perfectionist. I saw, I think it was only the second screening ever of a short he had composed earlier this year. It was in the IFA, and he was in the crowd, and he stood up afterwards to say he didn't think the mix was quite right. So proper salmon. <laughs> like a harsh thing to do to the director. He's a proper salmon. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Sorry, I'm afraid. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's shite. <laughs> I love that. That's fantastic. Oh God, if only people did it all the time. Okay, that's everything this week. Uh, thanks very much, Stephen, for coming in. It's a pleasure. And your side of partner, Mr. Colin McCone. How are you doing? Excellent. Excellent. Thanks for what he thinks he's doing. What he's doing. We shall see you next week. And what everybody Bye. else knows. Later.